It was probably a week or two ago that Jeremy uh, texted me and asked me if I would preach um, tonight because he was going to be on vacation. And I told him I had no idea what I would preach about. Actually, I asked him if there was something he wanted me to preach about, and um, he said just whatever I wanted, and I told him I had no idea. Um, And for the last couple weeks, or however long that's been, Um, I've had one sentence that has been going through my mind and no idea what I was going to be preaching about. And at 10 o'clock last night, I still had no idea what I was going to be preaching about tonight. But I still had that one thought, that one sentence that kept going through my mind. So I just decided to start my PowerPoint. That's what I I use uh, for my sermon notes. And um, I typed it. And I didn't, quite, I didn't quit typing until the sermon was done. I've never had a sermon flow the way this did. Um, it just, it, one, once I typed that one thing that God had given me, just the rest of it um, came to me. Now, it's a really weird sentence, um, so I have to give you a little bit of context for where that comes from. Could we turn those two lights down a little bit? That is, like, really blinding. Just to give you a little bit of context for where this came from, um, I used to go to Central Bible College when I was much, much, much younger than I am now. I know that's hard to believe that I was much younger, but I was. Um, And I I went to, uh, that's much better. Thank you. And you guys don't have to see as much of my face, and that's better yet, right? So um, anyway, I went to Central Bible College, and when I went to CBC, I attended Central Assembly of God in Springfield. And as in many Pentecostal churches, um, there are times when people will give a, a message in tongues and interpretation of tongues or, or will speak out in a word of prophecy. And there, w- there was one day that I, I still remember who it was. Uh, the man's name is Dwight Colbaugh. And um, in the middle of the worship service, he spoke out in a word of prophecy, and I only remember the first word, the first line of that prophecy. And he said, I am the God of shoe leather. And that, that has stuck in my mind for the last, uh, gosh, that was probably 25 years ago, um, that I heard that prophecy. And the whole prophecy was really powerful, but that one line has stuck with me all of these years. I am the God of shoe leather, and I want to speak to you about what that means tonight. If my computer will go. There it goes. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 says, My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I'm going to repeat that line. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I'm going to repeat that verse. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So religion that God accepts is doing something for someone else and living a holy life. So how is your life any different from that of your unsaved friends? Some of this might be a little bit uncomfortable tonight. I'm just going to ask you some questions. How's your life any different from that of your unsaved friends? Do you listen to the same music? Do you go to the same parties? Is your language any different? Do you smoke or drink or do drugs? Maybe just a little bit, just when everyone else is doing it. Do you look at pornography or push the limits of sexual purity? Is your behavior different when, we're, when you're with your unsaved friends than it is when you're at church or with your Christian friends? Think about it. But let me rephrase it in a little bit different way. Do you love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you worship God even when no one else is around? Do you treat your parents with honor and respect? Do you give of yourself to help others? Do you view holiness as something to strive for or just as some legalistic burden that you have to bear? You just have to try to be good. What is it in your life that would proclaim to the world, I am a radical believer in Jesus Christ? So how many of you have had an experience with God, just one of those mountaintop experiences. I, I, I want to show of hands. How many of you have had one of those mountaintop experiences with God at some point in your life? Okay. How many of you have had one of those experiences on a missions trip? Okay. At youth camp? Some of you don't want to raise your hands too high. You're afraid I'm going to call on you. Um, you're very perceptive. Um, at youth convention, anyone? Uh, how about winter retreat? Yeah, bunch of hands went up there. How about just in any merge or um, or in a church service on a Sunday? God ever speak to you in one of those services? How about during some private time when you and God were alone? And God ever speak to you in those times? Riley. Come here. <laughs> Riley recently went with us to Iceland. I didn't warn him. And there's a couple more of you I'm going to pick on too. Uh, <laughs> Riley recently went with us to Iceland. Can we have that microphone? And he literally had one of those mountaintop experiences on the last Saturday of our trip. And I'd like him to share that with you. Okay, thanks, David. No problem. All right. So we were in Iceland, of course, on a missions trip, 
And during that trip, I didn't feel like I was being used. I had struggled with my value on our as our team. Um, we had a team that went, and I feel like everybody else had a certain reason why they're there, and I just couldn't find what my reason was. And so we went on a hike up on a mountain, and this mountain was pretty large, so it was a fun climb. And there was three peaks, and the rest of the group decided to go up to the next peak, and I decided to hang out with Harrison and talk. And I was talking to Harrison, and he was talking about, we were talking about um, just like how everybody fit in. And I just told him how I didn't feel like I was fitting in. I wasn't doing anything for this business trip, and I was just struggling with that. And Harrison talked me through it, and I just realized if I just give it up to God and listen to what he wants me to do, then I'd be fine. But not more than two minutes ago, this, um, two minutes later, this girl named Sarah was sitting down looking out at the view, just sitting there all alone. So I went over there and talked to her, and we got on the subject of how beautiful her view, how beautiful the view was. And we got on the subject of how the world was created. And we read through the Bible on how um, she was an atheist, and she didn't, she believed it was not with the, um, created by a God. And so we, I shared my faith with her and opened my um, Bible on my phone, and we went through Scripture, and we talked about how the world was created. And it wasn't about me proving her wrong. It was me showing her what I believed that what made her made up her mind made her make up her mind about joining Christianity. And on that mountaintop, um, uh, I led her to salvation. Very cool. So uh, I know Jordan had an amazing uh, time at winter retreat. So could you come and share about that experience? Any of them. Take your pick. Oh, um, well, there's a lot of winter retreats. Um, I'm going to highlight Terry Parkman's, though, because that one's just stuck with me for so long. Um, it was, I think back in, like, the middle school days, that awkward phase, you know. Um, and he just talked about, like, stepping off of the boat and just, um, just like Peter did and uh, just going after it with everything you have. Um just having the faith to step out, and uh, that really hit me. And that I'm I'm stuck where I'm at, and I need to take the next step off of the boat. And um, I just kind of broke my shell open a little bit, and uh, it it really changed me. And uh, I was bawling like all night. Um, and you know, just ever ever since then, it's been a lot different in my life. Okay, I'm not, I'm not too sure if he'll do it or not, but Brett, would you share about your experience at youth retreat or uh, youth camp? Yeah. Dakota, get up here. <laughs> I want you to share what you shared at youth camp. Well, uh, well, at youth camp, I got refilled with the Holy Spirit, and um, I felt like God had a, uh, um, I've been having a lot of issues with my dad, and just, like, forgiving him and all that, but I feel like God really renewed that and, like, healed me of everything that happened there, and uh, that's where I am. Okay. 
And now, David North, would you come up? I, I have something I want to share. Uh, just about during one of those private moments, uh, and this is something that happened on the Iceland trip for me this year. It was my highlight of the trip happened before we ever landed in Iceland. And um, it's, it, things the last few months have just been really difficult, uh, just some really hard things going on in our lives. And, and I was really struggling in a lot of ways. And um, as we were flying over Greenland, um, Greenland is just one giant block of ice from one end to the other. Uh, it's very, very stark, very desolate, um, kind of like my life was at that moment. And as we were flying over Greenland in that last two hours into Iceland, God just spoke to me. I, I listened to this song I had never heard before called Shepherd Boy. Um, and, and God just spoke to me, and God healed my heart that day. And um, I want you to hear the song, um, but you're going to hear it by watching the slideshow from our, our Iceland trip. So you'll get to see a little bit of what happened on that trip. So like I said, during that couple hours flying into Iceland, God healed my heart. And it's not that... God took away those difficult things that had been going on in my life, but they didn't have a hold of me anymore. And I love those mountaintop experiences. How many of you love those mountaintop experiences? They're amazing, aren't they? And how many of you have had those mountaintop experiences and, or, and within a week or two or three or a month or two later, you're just kind of back where you were before? Have you ever had that happen? So what is it that happened? Why does it always seem to fade away as time goes on? Why can't we keep the fire lit? Why don't we stay on that spiritual mountaintop? It's because we make decisions with our minds, but we don't change the way that we act. We must become doers of the word. We must act on the things that we hear and the things that we believe and put it into practice. So what if when we came back from youth camp, we came to emerge on a Wednesday night prepared to worship God with all of our hearts, that we would knock off the attention-seeking behavior and focus our attention on him? What if when we came back from our missions trip where God used us to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ, we realized that there are people that we encounter every single day who need him just as much as those people you met on the trip and that God can use you just as powerfully here as he did there? What if when we came back from winter retreat where God spoke to us so deeply and we experienced the unity of the body of Christ so deeply that we realized that the same students that you prayed for and that prayed for you are just a phone call or a text away and that we can actually have prayer partners within this group that would pray for you and you pray for them every single day. It doesn't have to end with the experience that you have in that time and that place. It can be a daily thing for you to meet with God and to have those experiences. What if we prayed for our unsaved family and friends every day? What if we played worship music when we woke up or when we went to bed at night? What if we really dug into God's word? Not because we have to, but because we want to. What if we got together with our friends to pray or to study the Bible or to do something for someone else? Now there's a concept. How about if we serve? 
What if when the altars were opened in the main church service on Sunday morning, we were the first ones down to pray for people and lay hands on them and to believe for them, for their healing or their salvation or or whatever need it is that they have? We saw people saved at youth camp. That doesn't have to be limited to what happened at youth camp. It can happen in your own life every single day. It can happen at your home. It can happen at your school. It can happen at Quick Trip. It can happen out on the street. You are the vessel of the Holy Spirit. It's you that God chooses to use. It's not a time and a place. It's a person that God chooses to use. What if? What if? I heard a question asked one time, if you knew you could not fail, what would you dare to do for the glory of God? Let me ask that again. If you knew you could not fail, you could do absolutely anything for God's glory. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you dare to do for the glory of God? And if we went around this room, it would be a really awesome thing to, to hear the, the hopes and the dreams and ambitions of some of you of what you would want to do, do for God. Some of you would probably want to become a missionary and go and, and win thousands or even millions of people to Jesus Christ. Some of you would probably want to be able to go and lay hands on people and, and see them healed or to see people raised from the dead. Some of you would want to be teachers. Some of you would want to be doctors. Some might want to find the cure for cancer. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you dare to do for the glory of God? And you think about those things and you think, I can't do that. I'm just David North. I'm just whoever you are. But I have news for you. You can do it. You can do it. Some of you still don't believe me, but you can do it. Because with God, all things are possible. And where there's unity in the body of Christ, God moves and does miraculous things. John 5, verses 1 through the first part of verse 9, says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for such a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. You know what the problem was that this man had? He didn't have anyone to help him into the pool. He just needed and like like us, sometimes all we need is a brother in Christ who will actually get up and do something. Not just, um, hey, would you pray for me? And not that that's a bad thing, but I ask someone to pray for me and they say, yeah, I'll pray for you. And they spend five seconds and they pray and kind of go on their business and they never ask you about it again. And But no, someone who will actually put their faith into action and do something that is needed to meet a need. Second Kings 7, verses 3 through 9, 
Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why do we sit here until we die? It's quite a question. Why do we sit here until we die? If we say, we'll go into the city, well, there's famine in there and we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. And if they spare us, we'll live. And if they don't, we'll die. (laughs) So if we do this, we'll die. And if we do this, we'll die. Well, we'll go over here and surrender. And if they let us live, we'll live. And well, if not, we'll just die. So at dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys, and they left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. You have to picture this, okay? These are four lepers, who are just kind of straggling into the city. They're starving. They're about to die from starvation. And and these four lepers are just kind of walking into this city. And the people of the city ran for their lives because God made them hear chariots and horses and, and, and these things. So the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank. Then they took silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some more things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, what we're doing isn't right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. I want you to know tonight that there is no stopping what God can do through desperate men who desperately seek to do something For the glory of God. These men, all they had was to get up and do something. Or they could just lay down and die. No stopping what God can do through desperate men who desperately seek to do something for the glory of God. I want to know tonight, are you desperate to see your lost friends come to Jesus Christ? Because they're in a desperate situation if they don't know him. Are you desperate to know God intimately? Are you desperate to set sin aside in your life and to live a holy life? So what are you going to do about it? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And Nick, would you come? So here's what God would say to you tonight. I am the God of shoe leather. Now walk with me. He doesn't want you just to hear the word. He wants you to act on it. He wants you to put it into practice. So what is it that you can do this Sunday? Can you pray with someone at the altars? Introduce yourself to a visitor and make them feel welcome? Get to know one of those annoying middle schoolers? Jack, I saw that tweet you sent out. Um, Sorry, middle schoolers. What is it that you could do this Sunday? What is it you can do tomorrow? Could you spend time in worship or in prayer? Share your faith with an unsaved friend, not to prove them wrong, but to share your faith like Riley did on that mountaintop? Can you do something for your parents or someone else without even being asked? What is it you could do tomorrow? What is it you can do tonight? 
Can you pray for a friend or ask a friend to pray for you? Can you ask for someone's forgiveness? Seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is it you can do tonight? In the words of a famous Jordan I know, just do it. Ask God what to do and do it. Put your faith into action. If you don't want to come down off that mountaintop a week after you have that mountaintop experience, then live out your faith every single day. Just like those four lepers. Get desperate and do something. I want us to take a few minutes tonight and I want us to pray for each other. And I'd like you to get into groups of two or three. Just find one or two other people. Please don't make it any more than three. But I want you to find someone and I want you to find out what their need is. And I want you to pray for them. But I don't want you to end it there. Okay? Find out what the need is and pray for them here and now. And then maybe tomorrow you can text them and say, hey, I'm praying for you. And maybe next week you can just ask them, how's this going? You know, is there anything else I can pray for you about? But I want you to do something tonight. So if you would, go ahead and find one or two other people and find out what the needs are. And then let's meet those needs.